down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. Thanks for joining me this evening. I'm Marcus Farrell. Chris McCarthy will be, will be back tomorrow. But I'm joined now by our friends at Vineyard Wind, former Ward 4 City Councilor Dana Ribeiro. Hi, Dana. Well, hello. So good to be back. Great Thank to have you, for you having back. Us. Dan Kent. Dan, how are you? Good. How are you? You got to move the microphone like right here. You can move it, 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 it if you want to. How's that? That's perfect. That's cool. great. Thank you. Okay, so um, last time you were here, we talked about uh, a job fair that you guys had planned, which I heard was very successful. It was. And now you have another one planned. Uh, can you tell us about it? Yes. Yeah, so the last one, we were at overcapacity, and the companies that uh, attended were so thrilled with the people that came. They love seeing New Bedford, and they want to see more of it and meet more people because they have jobs and they have opportunities so this one is going to be next thursday on the 12th it's going to be held at the um community center the andre mccoy recreational center on hillman street and it'll be from three to seven great and uh we have don't let me talk all the time dan we have how, how many companies yeah sure so right now we have 45 organizations coming 36 of which are hiring Nine of them are there as uh, you know educational organizations to get you up to speed if you need it. Um, initial numbers are 164 open positions. About a third are ready to pop now, and the next couple months we'll uh, we'll be filling the other two thirds. So a third of those 164 uh, positions, you can be hired and get to work. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's a great opportunity. So what kind of jobs are available? Yeah. Well, so outside of the trades, we have a uh, project labor agreement with all the trade unions. So yes, there's iron workers, uh, electricians, you know, the whole gambit. Um, outside of that, we've got a couple tier one contractors coming. So GE will be there, Lawrence Lynch, Semco, JDR, JDN. Um, so kind of site jobs, in office jobs, technician jobs, uh, survey, environmental It really is jobs, a little bit of like everything. That. So it doesn't matter what your skill are, skill, what your skill level is. Um, there's probably a, a place for you. I mean, there's protected species observers. It's like a bull and choop. There's a little <laughs> bit of everything in there. So um, we're speaking with our friends from Vineyard Wind, Dana Ribeiro and Dan Kent. There's a job fair January 12th, 3 to 7 at the Andre uh, McCoy Recreation Center on Hillman Street in New Bedford. So um, if someone's got, uh, let's say, you know, someone's got a kid or, you know, they maybe they have to, they're in between jobs, they might need to get something to eat. Uh, is that accommodation provided for? Absolutely. There's childcare provided on site. We're partnered with uh, New Bedford's uh, Parks, Beaches, and Recreation. So, yes, absolutely. If you have a child, they can be taken care of while while you walk around and uh, and look for a career change. Um, and we are serving food, and this is the coolest part. So Trinity Day Academy has a culinary school. Oh, cool. So we've hired them to cater 
That's excellent. It is awesome. And they're doing a taste of New Bedford. They came up with the menu. So you get a choice of two soups, either uh, kale or chowder, and linguisa sandwich or cassola sandwich. So uh, young people will be working and uh, making money and so excited to have them there. What are some of the advantages of getting into the ground level uh, in the offshore wind industry? Well, I mean, the the great thing is it's, it's very level playing field because in America like nobody's doing it so when you get in there's there's certainly training but you're in this is the future so this is happening now until 30 40 50 years from now so there's job security and you can grow with companies like anything else you start one way in a company and maybe you you want to develop but there are people already in place, so you kind of have to stay where you are. I, th- I feel like with WIN, there's not only opportunity to get in, but to grow. So, uh, Dan, is there is there uh, s- some of these jobs probably require some some uh, prerequisite training in some sort of trade, but some of them people could start right away and maybe get training as part of the job. Is that is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So. For any job going offshore, uh, you need to get Global Wind Organization Training, GWO. Um, Those are being offered now at Mass Maritime and very soon at Bristol Community College, both of which will be at the job fair. Can you, can you, you can have a short, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go, perfect, yeah. (laughs) So uh, you said uh, at the National Wind, uh, uh, Offshore Wind Institute, I was there uh, probably like a year ago. Uh, Congressman Keating was there. We were both there. You were there, yep. yep. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Auchincloss, Ed Markey, they were all there. Um, uh, but at that juncture, it was just sort of a site. Right. There were pictures of this is what will be here. Um, how far along is that uh, development now with, uh, with, with NAWI, the National Offshore Wind Institute? I honestly do not know. I am sorry. That's like, we're so separate because we're with Vineyard Wind in there. So I, I really can't answer that. And I wouldn't want to make an answer that's incorrect. Of course. Um, but it will be exciting when it's done. And people who want to get into this field in a meaningful way, I think, will be able to uh, to, to enjoy the uh, the training courses right. and, and benefit from them and a Bristol great deal. Bristol Community College has some training courses. Um, I'm sure you, Mass Dartmouth is looking into expanding what they have. Uh, you look in Boston Ben Franklin Institute, which now has the ability, you can go totally remote and online. So there's lots of opportunity for people to get education and, and, and growth. So uh, where can people um, go to uh, perhaps uh, like they're listening now, they want to find out more, they want to get the detail, like they want to maybe get the details, like they can get a picture of it or they can write it down. Where can people go to learn more about this? Yeah, sure. So the Vineyard Wind, one, Vineyard Wind website is always an option. Um, we're also partnered with the New Bedford Ocean Cluster on this one. Yep. So their website, their um, events calendar is definitely another option. Um, Eventbrite, if you guys want to register on, on Eventbrite, please go. There'll be a little, uh, a little more info there. And, um, of course, Parks and Rec, our other partner on this. I actually just had uh, John Bullard on uh, a few weeks ago. from Mayor the, Bullard! Yeah, former Mayor Bullard, president of the Ocean Cluster. We talked a lot about uh, offshore wind. And he, they are the other partner. 
They are the other partner. Yes, yeah. I get the pleasure of meeting with him every week. Does does he not tell the best stories? He has such a narrative gift. He really, he really does. does. Yeah, he was really, he was really, I had, you know, I just sort of met him in passing uh, and then I had him on for about an hour conversation and it was really engaging stuff. I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it, but he had said, um, he had said that the national, and I've heard this from from other elected officials and, and and people talking about this that the the offshore wind industry can be what whaling was from New Bedford in terms of elevating it to a city of uh, of real prosperity. Um, is that hyperbole, or do you guys believe that as well? I I absolutely agree. Uh, and the other benefit is it it will be equitable, right? Mm-hmm. Because in whaling, there's only a slight population that made money. And then there were the people that did <laughs> yeah. the work, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think this is more equitable because the these careers pay great wages. And like I said, the ability to work your way up if, if you desire. Yeah, there's been, uh, I remember the uh, the labor agreement that was signed. That was a really hot day. I was going to say that. <laughs> that was, was really unforgivable. Were you in a suit? I was in no. I was just in. Uh, I had I had khakis on, which was smart. a mistake. Well, no. no. Well, I could have had shorts. You know, I should have oh, had shorts. Oh yeah. But every, it felt like that was a little bit underdressed for the moment. I don't yeah, know. Everybody I was, was just melting. Pressed. I was that melting. That was terrible. It was yeah. crazy. I, I I was talking to somebody who was a staffer, and I, I after everybody had talked and the, the papers were signed, I'd said, "Should I go?" And then he said, "I'd go if I could go." So <laughs> get out of here. But the point I'm trying to make is. Uh, that was uh, the reason why everybody stayed there and and listened to the speeches and saw the signatures. That it was a historic agreement because that uh, basically uh, ensured that a lot of this labor would be locally sourced. Correct? Yes, absolutely. That's that's in the PLA. Um, the amount of women and my BIPOC people that will be hired. I mean, we're really trying to. Uh, and I don't want to say do something different. I feel like a lot of people have have the intention, but we're we're putting the teeth behind it. Right. Um, and I think that's important because when you put down the numbers now, now you have to get as close to them as you can or explain why you didn't. And then you need to think about how next time you can get close to these numbers. So it's it's important to have have goals. So you guys really put the pressure um, on yourselves to, yes. to get this done. Yeah. I mean, we've Dan and I've been working on this very, very hard and we have goals with this with this career fair about how many people we want to see in the door. We we know there's 163 jobs, so we want to keep track to see people getting hired and maybe come on and give you a report afterwards. Of the love success. that. But um, yeah, this is, uh, I'm very passionate about this. You know, I love the city, but uh, also this is a new industry and opportunity not only for New Bedford, but when we get this right, and I say when because we will, for other cities to to replicate what we're doing. So last time it was at the Harbor Hotel. Yes, that correct. What a beautiful spot that was. So how did it? How did that go? What was what was the event like? The last time. Yeah. The last time it was, so it, we were over capacity, and so we we they were kind enough to give us extra room. But I mean it. You know, there were just so many people there. The the companies were thrilled to meet and talk to so many people. Within a week or two later, they had a great deal of interviews. Um, I have to say, I dropped the ball in not continuing to talk with them about how many people were hired after that because with this job, like Dan and I do like four different jobs. So it's hard to follow one thing when things are constantly thrown at you. And then we already knew we had to do another one. So uh, with this one, some of the differences will be the location. It'll be two floors. 
parking because people were like downtown the parking situation andre mccoy has two beautiful big parking lots um also the fact that we're having young people participate so much that they're doing the catering uh we recently um brought on a student ambassador so she'll be working on this and other things as well cool um and just getting so many more companies there so the only missing piece is to get people from the South Coast through those doors. We're speaking with Dan Kent and Dana Ribeiro from uh, Vineyard Winds. Uh, they're here talking about a job fair that they're having January 12th, uh, 3 to 7 p.m. What day is that on? Thursday. So next Thursday. Yes. Next Thursday, January 12th, 3 to 7 p.m. at the Andre McCoy Rec Center on Hillman Street. I'm sure a lot of listeners are familiar with that. Uh, you can go to, what was the website again, Dan? Just Vineyard Win One. Vineyard Win. Okay, Vineyard Win One. So, uh, you, uh, just again on the. No, wait. Do you know who Andre McCoy is? Yeah, you know what's funny? Actually, Andre McCoy. Um, someone called in and asked about Andre McCoy, and I was kind of vaguely familiar. And then Scott Lima had called in and said, "I knew Andre McCoy. I went to high school." He with did him. not. Yeah, it was it was it was really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he had just happened to be listening. Andre McCoy was a young, talented boxer who had tragically uh, passed in a plane crash, I believe, on the yeah. way to the Olympics. Right. I heard he was obviously an excellent boxer, and, and Liam, uh, Scott Lima had said an incredibly uh, a nice person. So um, this this place is dedicated in his honor, and I think a, a great venue uh, for uh, this showcase that really uh, highlights an industry that's going to move uh, the city forward. So, Dan, uh, just again on the jobs, uh, how many jobs are you guys uh, pitching here, and how many should be uh, basically ready to go um, on day one? Yeah. 164 over the next couple months. We'll say about a, a third right now. So we're speaking with Dan Kent and Dana Ribeiro from Vineyard Wind. Again, the jobs fair is January 12th, 3 to 7 at the Andre McCoy Recreation Center, 181 Hillman Street uh, in New Bedford. So uh, is there anything else that we uh, haven't covered, anything else that we're, we're, we're missing uh, in, in, in talking about uh, this, this event? No, I just ask people to please come if you have a child or a grandchild that you think might be interested or if you're in the middle of your career and you want to switch, come through, uh, sign up. If you can't sign up there, you certainly can come anyway. Uh, if you can't sign up before, look for me. I'm really excited to see everyone. And if you need anything while, while you're there and you see me, please ask. Dana Ribeiro, Dan Kent, Vineyard Wind, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for Thank you. letting us uh, know about this Are you important coming? event. I will try to be there. I've got this show, obviously, and I'm, I've got a I've got a meeting for in Fairhaven, but I, I should be able to make the very Yay. beginning. So I'll, I'll be there right at 3. Okay, good. All right, when the door is open. All right, I've got to take this break. We'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. WBSS. This is South Coast Tonight. I think Adam Bass is going to call in tomorrow. You know, it's kind of crazy over there up in Boston. I appreciate him trying to make the accommodation, but he went to the inauguration and covered it. He went to the inauguration and, and uh, of uh, of Maura Healy and Kim Driscoll uh, at the TD Garden and recorded some of her speech. And um, he'll have an article up on WBSM.com. And he'll, he'll be able to call us tomorrow to give us some more of his impressions of of what exactly happened uh, at the, you know, well, just, you know, report on what exactly happened at the inauguration. Um, really appreciate Adam being on the ground for us for a lot of things that, you know, I'm unable to go to because I'm here 
and a lot of the you know everybody else has uh, got other stuff going on. Adams um, really been a, a great asset as a contributor here, um, being on the ground at these important events like Haro's inauguration, like Maura Healy's inaugur Healy and Kim Driscoll's inauguration. I will try to. I have the audio of just uh, some questions I had asked Maura Healy actually yesterday. Uh, not yesterday, two days ago. Yeah, two two days ago. Maybe I'll grab it now. Maybe I'll have it tomorrow. Probably tomorrow, because the steps I have to take to get it uh, over to here are not ones that I can probably make at this juncture. So I'll play that some of that stuff for you tomorrow. Anyway, five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred is how you can join me for the rest of the evening. Nine o'clock, we've got Brad Markey. <clears throat> Ward 1 City Council, Brad Markey, is going to be talking about the important pay raise issues. The important pay raise issues on the, uh, the I mean, the pay raise vote uh, on the City Council. You know, we've talked to some council, uh, I've talked to a couple, uh, couple of councilors so far about this, but Brad's been willing to come on and, and explain you know, give his version of of the events and of those uh, of those pay raises. So we're really looking forward to um, to talking with him about that. Jack Spillane's got a really interesting piece on New Bedford Light. Actually, Jack writes, uh, you know, he's an opinion columnist for them, and he he talks about you know what he sees as some of the divisions on the council. Now we talked a lot about this yesterday. Uh, during the first hour and and you know Tim is going to start having council president Morad on for her weekly uh for the weekly segments for the with the council president and uh looking forward to that I'm glad Tim can continue that segment onto the next leadership uh cuz I think that's really important along with his uh midweek with the mayor segment so there'll be a lot of dialogue there but uh so basically um Tim had, you know Talked to her about why, you know, he thought it was, you know, why she wanted to be council president again. And, you know, uh, how many times has she done, had the position? It's been four times. But one of the interest, one of the, probably the most interesting comment, honestly, in the, it's a, it's a, it's a good piece. You should check it out on WBSM.com. But one of the most interesting comments is when she said her and Mayor Mitchell's relationship is quote unquote strained. So strained is the word she used for May, her and Mayor Mitchell's relationship. And she said it's going to take some give and take on both sides to repair it. Now, of course, I've said this before with elected officials having served in an elected official role. You know, I've served on a I've served on boards where two people definitely don't like each other, right? But they work together. You know, during that two hour meeting, you sit in the same room, you vote on stuff, and you work together. Um. The relationship between a council president and a mayor in any city doesn't have to be, they don't have to personally like each other. And I'm sure there's, it's not new, unique to New Bedford that the council president and the mayor don't get along. I'm sure that happens in a lot of places. You know, I remember actually when Michelle Wu was on the city council and she had called Marty Walsh and let him know that she was running for mayor in 2021. Marty Walsh, this was before Biden was even elected, so Marty Walsh doesn't know he's going to the Department of Labor yet. And so instead of letting Wu make the announcement herself, 
uh, Walsh just leaks it to the press, right? And there was a little bit of outrage and all that. And I was like, that's politics. But the city council and the mayor don't always have to get along. They don't have to get along. They don't have to get along. They just have to work together. They don't have to like each other. They just have to work together. And so you had an interesting, explain is an interesting piece about how, um, you know, Councillor Abreu and Morad could barely, you know, shake hands or stand each other when they went to the uh, podium, when uh, Morad went to the podium to, to, uh, to be the council president. Ian Abreu was the only vote against Linda Morad in the, um, in that meeting. And in the meeting that Councilor Abreu became council president, it was a six to five vote. And Council Moore didn't vote for Councilor Abreu either. It was um it was a that was a tight that was a very tight that was as tight of a vote as it could get. And so, you know, then you know, he talks about the walkout, you know, why Burgo said he walked out of the meeting and why Burgo said he walked out of the meeting. Uh, with along with Council Pereira, um, uh, Council Carney's, uh, you know, appropriate uh, uh, appointments and briefings meeting, and all of that, and said, you know, is there some deep divisions here? You know, I I've seen some Boston City Council meetings get racuous. I'm sure there's other city councils across the Commonwealth that don't necessarily get along as much. You've got a lot of different personalities there that are all you know elected on their own platforms right and have their own ideas and of course with elected officials you know they've got their own you know they they uh, to be an elected official you typically have to be a pretty strong-minded person or you should be a pretty strong-minded person and be pretty firm about where you're at and how you feel about certain things that doesn't mean you don't keep an open mind of course but typically to get elected, it takes a pretty strong personality. And so sometimes you have 10, 11, you know, or so, or in some cases, like in Congress, 435 uh, strong personalities. And sometimes they don't always get along. And sometimes that does create a little bit of chaos. Going back to what's happening uh, on the, you know, you're seeing what's happening sometimes when a lot of those um a lot of that division really starts to rear its ugly head. Like when we're, when we're looking at what's happening with the, with the speaker of the house situation, I think there, I think there's some, you know, I was thinking about this too. I think there's some interesting parallels, not parallels, but just more or less like similarities. They're not exactly the same, but more or less similarities between what's happening in Congress and what's happening with the uh, with the Massachusetts with the Massachusetts Republican Party, they have been, you know, there's been and Jess Machado has really taken uh, the lead on this issue. I think more so than anybody else really in the state uh, has taken the lead on this issue about what's happening in the Massachusetts Republican Party and why they can't put together a cohesive united front. And the reason they can't do that is because their leadership, they can't, first of all, they can't agree on who's going to lead them. And second of all, I think it's all centered around, you know, which ideological flank of the party is really going to control things. And, you know, the current chair in the mass GOP, Jim Lyons, represents a more Trump ideologue, uh, you know, wing of the Republicans. And in Massachusetts, that's not going to work, right? 
And it looks like in Congress that might not work as well either. Even though Kevin McCarthy is a pretty firm Trump ally, he's not firm enough, apparently, not for the not for the House Freedom Caucus. Um, and so you've got similar divisions here. And what happened here is you saw Republicans were absolutely blanked. There isn't really a single like there is like basically, I mean, in Plymouth County, you had you had uh, Sheriff McDonald run unopposed. You had Tim Cruz uh, win uh, handedly win an election against a very strong opponent. Plymouth County, one of the more conservative counties uh, in the state, if not the most conservative county in the uh, in the Commonwealth. But they still lost two county seats. They still lost a DA's race and a DA's race and a. And a sheriff's race. Donna Buckley, actually, the sheriff of Barnstable County. You know, I had her on a few uh probably about a month or so ago. It was a, uh, maybe a couple weeks after she got elected. I had her on to talk about her platform. There was a lot of similarities between her run and Paul Harrow's run for for sheriff. And uh, she actually just ended the 287G agreement for uh, ICE, the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, of course. Uh, the 287G agreement, you'll remember uh, Hodgson had a 287G agreement when, uh, uh, and that was canceled by the Biden administration uh, for a few reasons. But the Donna Barnstable County was the last county, I think, in New England that had one of those agreements. And she just I remember her, when I had her on, she said, it's like the very first thing I'm going to do is end that agreement. And she did. She just did it today. She signed the uh, she signed the papers. There's a picture of it. And so. So I think a, a pretty interesting uh, development there. But the point I'm trying to make is the, one of the reasons why Republicans weren't able to hold seats they've held for two decades is because they didn't have a coalesced, united party, where the, as Democrats did. You, you saw Kim Driscoll come down and support uh, Paul Harrow on multiple occasions. More Healy came down to Taunton to support Paul Harrow and support Democrats that were running tough races against Republican opponents like Carol Doherty up in Taunton. Um, you saw them go down and support, uh, you know, Rob Galboys and and Donna Buckley in 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 uh, on Cape Cod for those races. And again, those 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 elections were held. Those those race those seats that they won were held by Republicans. For 20 to 40 years, actually, the Rob Galboys on the Cape is the first DA that's been elected in 40 years. Actually, he's the first Democrat that's ever been elected to that seat because that seat actually just got got, when it got created, which is in the 70s. It was created basically by a Republican and held by a Republican for 40 years. So now a Democrat has that seat for the first time in almost half a century. And. You saw them losing seats in uh, in the House. Obviously, Lenny Mira, as it stands, lost his rep seat by a single vote. That's currently in court. They're challenging that, and he's allowed to serve in the House until uh, that challenge, uh, until that court case is uh, complete, um, until that the court makes a ruling on that challenge, and the other seat as well up in the uh, Pepperell. Uh, I think up in Pepperell, but they lost seats. Um, they lost a winnable Senate race in, um, I think, Nor- like Norfolk County. They lost the winnable Senate race that they that used to be held by Scott Brown. Scott Brown used to hold that Senate seat that uh, Becker Roush holds up in that area. And then uh, Rep. Sean Dooley tried challenging for that seat, and he did not win. So 
but the thing is, is, you know, all the events that Democrats held, I, I, you know, I covered them. I went to camp and I, I didn't cover any of the Republican events because there weren't any. There weren't a, there wasn't a single there wasn't a single like you didn't see Jeff Deal come down and support. Uh, you know, you see Jeff Deal come down and support Tom Hodgson. Right. Or 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 Rayla Campbell or or Jay McMahon. Part of that is because Tom Hodgson probably didn't want it. He probably didn't want it. He wanted Governor, you know, he had Governor Baker come down and Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito came down to support them and at his at his fundraisers, at his um at his events. But typically you want the you want the ticket to be united. If the ticket's united and you've got a strong ticket, that's how you win. People vote in a lot of cases. They do split tickets. But the top of the ballot always carries the bottom. And so what you're seeing in Congress is a lot like what you're seeing here. It's a Republican Party that doesn't know how to handle themselves. They don't know what direction they want to go in. Now, I think any party, there should be disagreements, right? There should be some more ideological flanks in each party. But to get to the point where you hold everything hostage in service of, you know, and basically blowing everything up in service of, of getting things, of trying to get some symbolic gestures, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I think it, it it's disconcerting for a lot of people. I think when, again, like, it's the same thing here. When people see a united Democratic Party in Congress united behind who they want to lead them and united in the direction that they want to go in, albeit some people have different ideas about which way to go, and you see a united Democratic ticket here in Massachusetts where you saw, you know, the attorney general candidate, the auditor candidate, Dinah Zaglio and Andrea Campbell, who are both now the auditor and attorney general. You saw the governor candidate and lieutenant governor candidate, who are now the governor and lieutenant governor, come down and support those down-ballot Democrats, right? Uniformly come down and support those down-ballot Democrats. And you didn't really see that with the Republicans. I mean, if Charlie Baker were running, if he was running again, he would have been, they, they would have been able to do that, I think. And I think you would have seen a lot of those successes that Democrats had go the other way. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. I'm going to take another break and we'll be right back. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. One's on the left, left. the other on the right. right. But they're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast Tonight, here on WBSM. Welcome back, 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hi, I spoke to you before. You said I could call back? Uh, of course. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been listening to the city council stuff on the radio as well. On Wednesday, the mayor talked about talking with the new uh, president of city council, uh, Ms. Morad, okay, and he seemed to be conciliatory. He came, seemed to say that, you know, hey, yes, we've got some differences, but, you know, we got to talk, and there was a congratulations to her success at this and everything. So uh, that's, to me, from the mayor, that's a lot, getting a lot out of the mayor, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, she seems like she wants to talk to him as well. Uh, recognizing that they've had differences in the past, okay? Yeah. Uh, but it seems like these differences can be overcome if the two of them don't 
get so full of themselves that they, you know, blow up, you know, and yeah. nobody talks to nobody. And I, I think there's a good possibility of uh, coming down with stuff. Now, the mayor also said about the pay raise that uh, he's going to sign this He's going to hold his nose and sign yes. it. Yeah. That's what he said, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he, he felt he has to get this going to get city government going. And I take him at his word, and I'm holding my nose, too. I was hoping that the new young Turks in there that walked out of the meeting uh, when they didn't think that there was a decent forum there would have taken a stand on this, too, and said, hey, look, we're in favor of a, of a raise, but $50,000, uh, you know, the people uh, you- might... You know, Ryan Pereira had proposed in that meeting, he had proposed some of his own changes, but they weren't the $50,000 amendments yeah, that, that yeah. Moore had proposed. Yeah, so. yeah. I had hoped in, in, in protest, even though if it didn't do anything, uh, him and, uh, you know, and Pereira would have walked out of the meeting saying, this is too much. You know, uh, I don't think the median salary in New, in New Bedford, uh, Bedford residence is $50,000, but the average salary, you know? No, so, no, it's it's not... It's it's again, and it's not consistent with the pay raise everybody else got, and they're also in union. They're also in no- negotiations with the AFSCME union, yeah, yeah, and that's going this this these that uh, dubious pay raise vote is going to impact those negotiations yeah. too. So the entire thing is is still until I get a clear or until everybody gets a clear explanation on it, I still got to categorize it as um, wanton recklessness. Yeah, I, I don't see how it can be explained, and especially after everybody gets their tax bill, which my taxes over the year, mm. it's 100 a quarter, a little bit more than 100 a quarter, will go up $400, you know? Yeah. Uh, speaking from my modest house that I, I own and I'm trying to keep a roof over my head on. So again, to have this largesse, okay, uh, <laughs> in, in tough economic times, Hey, uh, I'm sure that the animal control officer does a good job. I'm sure Mr. Beauregard, who runs the uh, alcohol consumption bureau there, whatever they call it, uh, I'm yeah, sure it's he's not. That's pay- not so. That's not his position that got a pay raise. Oh, I thought it was. I no, think. no, no. It's uh, Nick Nopolis. He's the licensing oh, uh, director. Oh, okay, okay. I got the wrong. Yeah, yeah. Guy. It's not. Yeah, it's not Steve Beauregard. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you changed me. Yeah, you caught me on that. Yeah, I and mean, he's been there, I believe, quite a while too. Both gentlemen sure. might be coming towards retirement. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a reason for trying to give them, uh, you know, some praise. You know, well done, good and faithful servant. But <laughs> but then what are they going to do? Knock the position down another fifty grand when the next guy, the next guy comes in? It still it doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, they should knock the position down. I'm sure once they do that, but maybe that might happen. You know, because again, maybe they're trying to boost these gentlemen's salaries because they're anticipating going in the future. It's not their job. That age. It's not their. That's not their job. That's not the Whose job. The city councils, they can't I know, to, I know. to arbitrarily shell out bonuses. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm holding my nose, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would hope that they could somehow review this and, yes, give them some sort of, uh, you know, uh, raise, you know, but not the, the exorbitant amount that they're getting so we can say, via con Dios, and off you go into retirement, <laughs> that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I just, especially considering some of the cuts that have been made uh, over the last year too, it doesn't. It's not consistent with the. It's not really cons- some of the cuts. I thought were a lot of people thought, including the mayor too, were really, uh, uh, really excessive. Like mm-hmm. there were massive cuts to the wastewater budget, and there were cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, they they cut like I think it was like a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars out of the a uh, million dollar borrowing package. And it- um to Rehab the old police station to to expand the offices. Well, and isn't this wastewater thing? If you don't get it done, you get fined by the federal government. 
Isn't, isn't that well, it was the just a, it was just a cut to the operating budget in general. Well, you well you would think you'd want to get that wastewater thing done so you don't have the feds yeah. on your phone. Oh, uh, you know, the other thing is I don't think, you know, DPI is probably the last, you know, public works in general is probably the last area that you want to make cuts because mm-hmm. that's, first of all, as a city council, just as a matter of practicality and, or as any elected official, mm-hmm. most elected officials, that's what gets you votes, mm-hmm. um, you know, filling potholes. Oh, yeah. Yep. And um that's the most essential government services that uh, that people expect. Other than public safety, people expect running water yep. and a paved street. Mm-hmm. You know, so it seemed. You know, like I said, those cuts. Seeing some of the cuts that were made, and then seeing this. You know, the, these these three arbitrarily doled out pay raises. Yep. I think is just one of the things that's causing people to 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 you know squ- well, uh, squirm a little bit. Yeah, of course. And again. With most of the people just getting their increases in, uh, in taxes, yeah. with people trying to hold on to their homes and stuff like that. Uh, so, again, I, I think the timing was bad. I wish they could take a look at it again and, yeah, maybe give these people an increase, but $50,000? terrible. Like I said, I, I'd like to know what the median salary is of the average New Bedford citizen. I don't think it's $50,000 of the average. No, <laughs> you know? it's definitely not. Yeah. So maybe something more down to that. Maybe it's I don't know twenty eight thousand. I don't know. <laughs> and, yeah, but so, I get. I, I mean, the thing is, is 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 uh, you know there was recommend recommendations based on a survey that was done by a third party, right? That does this for a living, and even you know it's you know you're an elected official, you're a member of, a, of the legislative body. It's up to you to make changes. Yeah. That's that's true. Yeah, but the, but, the, but you still got to explain it, and and they haven't done that. And yeah. again, it's just it doesn't make any sense. But nothing against Maciel, but I, I think he's getting more money than the uh, animal control officer in Boston. He is about ten thousand more. It's nothing yeah. against him personally, yeah, absolutely at all. It's and the, the, that's the that's the whole problem is it's not actually about the people that currently oh, hold the job. The job. It's the, the job, job, not the yeah. person. That's, it's that's not the, the person. Idea. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Because that, that these people that are in those jobs aren't going to hold them forever. I believe the licensing director is going to be retiring soon anyway. Sure. sure. I, I would assume so. Everybody deserves a chance to retire if they wish to. But not with this amount of largesse. It's, it's a little ridiculous. It's just, it's, just like the, it's just like the... And a lot of it is like the message it sends, you know, too. Um, that like this is sort of like uh, it, this, this sort of indiscriminate type of spending in these areas uh, for certain people that well, like they don't you know that one one or two counselors may like and then well the whole thing the well, whole the whole thing is just terrible hopefully the voters will be informed by your programs and what's going on and maybe when it comes time for election time and they got to stand for election again maybe they won't get as many votes as they got before Maybe. The people got to get involved and do that. Just like years ago, John Saunders. If they don't like it, well, they can they can vote me out. Well, you know what the thing is, you know? is is with 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 he with, went on uh, to a better job anyway. But that's precisely he did. He did a much better job. That, that <laughs> yeah. they did him a favor. <laughs> but um, the thing is, is uh, but, but John Saunders at the time was correct. The, the, the city council did deserve a pay raise. This is worse, I think. Yeah, but you can't say it like that. If you don't like it, vote me out. You yeah, know? no, yeah, I know that, that, that was a mistake. That's what it is, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This was certainly worse, and you know, I just hope the people of New Bedford. I know we don't get much voter turnout. Would pay attention to this, and when it comes time, and you have to determine whether or not this person as your counselor in your ward or a counselor at large, and that they didn't speak up for your interests that you vote accordingly. Yeah. Again, the new young people on there have been very impressive to me. I've watched them on TV and everything. Uh, you know, they don't look like rookies, and they seem mm-hmm. like they're doing a pretty good job. I, I would have hoped on this. I they think they're doing a great job. You know, one uh, of, hold on, Mr. President. You know, like that. One, of Ryan, one, of Ryan, uh, one of Ryan Perot's very first things he did was, was discover that Noah's Park 
uh, Noah's yep. Playground parking issue, yep. which was huge. Yep. Yep. You know, they're doing a great job. Yeah, um, I, both just, of them. I just wish on this they'd cut their own swath, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I mean, Brad's going to come on soon. Hopefully, okay. he can he can provide some more clarity on that. Okay, but maybe we've led you up to that point then. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the call. All right, my friend. Take All care. Bye. The WBSM app is every. I'm Marcus Morahili. Just tweeted out, "It's me." Hi. Uh, now that she's formally the governor, if you followed the governor's accounts on social media before, you've got to refollow them because it's the way it works. So. um now that the transition, now that they've transitioned leadership. So uh, it is now the era of Healy Driscoll. Welcome. And we're looking forward to continuing those conversations with them. Adam Bass is going to call in tomorrow. He was live at the inauguration reporting on uh, what's what's happening there. So uh, looking forward to talking to him with him tomorrow along with our, along with my, my co-host Chris McCarthy. So. We'll definitely be, you know, definitely have a good time. Uh, but Brad Markey is going to be calling in at 9, right after the news. He's going to give us a call. We'll talk about that pay raise vote a lot of you have been following and we've been discussing here at WBSM. So stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned for that for sure. And, of course, listen to... Are very important news programming. Maybe in the next news segment by ABC, you'll hear that there's a new speaker of the house. Just kidding. You're not going to hear that. Still no speaker of the house. But there'll probably be some other important news that you can follow. So definitely stay tuned for that. And our local news. Phil Devitt does a great job with our evening news. Evening local news. That really, you know. So there's that. Again, Brad Markey. Ward 1 City Councilor, going to talk about the pay raise votes. I'll see you then.